There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, listeners. This episode is sponsored by Luke's English Podcast Premium, which is my other podcast service. With Luke's English Podcast Premium, you can pay a relatively small price per month to access loads of other episodes in which I focus only on teaching you English. In those episodes, I use my particular set of skills, which I've developed over a very long career, to help you build your vocabulary, improve your understanding and use of grammar, and help you practice clear and fluent speech with my pronunciation drills. There are video and audio episodes, PDFs to download, and new content arriving every month. If you're interested, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info to get started. The money that I make from Luke's English Podcast Premium allows me to continue doing this whole podcast project long term. So not only is it good for your English, it's also a way to support me and my work. teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. So, hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to the podcast. This episode features a four-way conversation between three of my friends and me, recorded on Zoom recently, and yes, other video conferencing platforms are available, and it's basically us asking each other questions in a sort of four-way interview scenario. I think it should be a fun conversation to listen to, but I also think it will probably be a challenge for your listening skills. That's what I expect, but I will let you find out for yourself. Before we get started, I just want to remind you about the YouTube live stream I'm doing on Wednesday the 10th of June at 3pm Central European Time. Did you hear the announcement episode I published at the weekend? Well, if you did, then you'll know all about this. I'm doing another YouTube live stream on Wednesday the 10th of June at 3pm Paris time, and you're invited to join me. I'm going to be messing around, answering questions from listeners in the chat, maybe singing a couple of songs with a guitar, maybe talking about learning English and motivation and stuff, and generally just hanging out with my audience on YouTube. If you can't make it, the video and audio will be published later, so you will be able to watch it or hear it. I'm doing it at 3pm on a Wednesday because my daughter will be in the nursery or creche, as they call it in France, the daycare centre. And so I'm free to get up to some online antics. And at the weekend, it's family time. So midweek and in the afternoon, my time is just the right time for me to do it. Anyway, join me on Wednesday, the 10th of June at 3pm for a YouTube live, ask me anything, hang out with Luke type thing. To find the specific location on YouTube, just check the show notes for this episode and you'll find a YouTube link or just subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's Luke's English Podcast on YouTube and click the bell icon to receive a notification when I go live. Okay, so that is that. Now, this is number 
667, and here is my introduction. Hello, this introduction is quite long, but I've done that on purpose to help you understand what I think will be a difficult episode. But if you really prefer, you can skip the introduction. You can skip forward to approximately 22 minutes in. That's the 22-minute mark. But of course, if you skip forward, you won't know what you've missed and you'll live the rest of your life thinking, oh, I wonder what Luke said in that introduction to episode 667 that I skipped. What did I miss? And then when you're old and grey and you're near the end of your life and you're asked by a grandchild or a great-grandchild one day, do you have any regrets, they ask you, and you might be able to say, you might manage to say, well, if I have, if I have just one regret... It's that I skipped that introduction to episode 667. That's it. That's my only regret in life. Because this is obviously how you're going to speak when you're old at the end of your life. You're going to have this sort of voice. The only regret I have is I skipped the introduction to episode 667. And I didn't fully understand that conversation with his friends. I just, I didn't have sufficient context a lot of the jokes just went over my head. Oh, oh! it was confusing, and then I just gave up on learning English, <laughs> despite the fact that I speak like this now. And that's when it all went wrong for me. I'm, I'm sorry, children. I'm sorry for the things I've done and the things I haven't done, including skipping the introduction to episode 667. It still haunts me to this day. What did he say? What did I miss? I suppose I'll never know. So if you want that to be you, just skip ahead to 22 minutes in. That's the 22 minute mark. Now. Okay, so you're still with me. You didn't skip ahead. Excellent choice. You'll be fine now for the rest of your life because you're going to listen to this introduction. Everything in your life is just going to slot into place now. It's just going to be fine. It's going to be perfect from now on. You'll have no regrets And it's all going to be roses. Just remember, though, when you are sipping cocktails on your own private yacht somewhere in the future, just remember to thank me, okay? Right, so here is the introduction. One of the only good things about the coronavirus pandemic, lockdown, confinement, social distancing, isolation situation that we've all been living in is that it has encouraged people to get in contact with each other more than they normally would. Maybe this is because we're unable to get together physically, if you know what I mean. Mm. So we're making up for it by calling each other more, or we're just aware that it's important to stay connected during this weird, weird time in order to make ourselves feel a bit better. But anyway, we've been, I guess, it's probably, I don't know if it's the same for you, but I've been in touch with friends and family more than normal. And that includes my mates, Paul Langton, Alex Love and Moz. We've had a few Zoom calls together recently just to have fun chatting and also to generally keep our spirits up. Paul, Alex and Moz have all been on the podcast before, so I thought it might be fun during one of our Zoom calls for us to reunite on the podcast again for the first time in years. And that's what you're going to hear today. This episode was recorded during the lockdown with me in Paris and the others in their homes in England. This was probably about two weeks ago at least. Two or three weeks ago, this was recorded. Now, as I speak to you now, it's coming up to mid... It's sort of 
second week of June, the lockdown is mostly over in France, which is why my daughter is back in the in the uh, nursery. But anyway, when this was recorded, lockdown was fully in place, both in France and in the United Kingdom. So the four of us first recorded podcasts together years ago at the Brighton Fringe Festival. The Brighton Festival Fringe? The Brighton Fringe Festival? I think it's actually the Brighton Fringe Festival. In episodes 104, 105 and 106. And there was also the Slightly Drunk episode, that's episode 109, and On a Boat, episode 226, recorded on Moz's Narrow Boat. I wonder if you've heard those episodes. Let me know if you remember Paul, Alex, Moz and me sitting on the beach in Brighton and the creation of Luke Johnson, my evil clone. Do you remember us sharing beers inside Moz's boat one summer evening and talking nonsense in my flat and other weird moments? from deep in the episode archive. Super duper long-term listeners will remember those episodes, but for those of you that don't know, here's a quick summary of some background context to help you understand this episode a lot more. Forgive me for rambling on in this introduction, as usual. I know this is long, but this kind of context is essential to help language learners understand a conversation between four friends. And listening to a group of friends chatting can be really hard in another language. So this is all necessary context to help you piece together what you're going to hear in this episode, which will help you enjoy it more and learn more from listening to it. So we all first met each other doing comedy in London in 2009, when we did the Amused Moose stand-up comedy course run by Logan Murray, which I've mentioned before. That was a series of comedy workshops designed to help us develop basic skills for doing stand-up comedy. After doing that course, we did various comedy gigs together in London and also shows at the Brighton Fringe Festival from 2010 to 2012 when we recorded some episodes. That's a comedy festival in Brighton, a bit like the Edinburgh Fringe, but smaller and in Brighton. Paul, Alex and I were in a show together called Snigger Happy and Moz did his own shows in the same venue as us. Here's some intel on each person in this conversation. We'll start with Paul Langton. Paul was born and brought up in central London and has a London accent. As a stand-up comedian in London, Paul used to regularly MC, that's host, one of London's best open mic comedy shows called Comedy Virgins at the Cavendish Arms in Stockwell in South London. And he was also the host of one of the first live-streamed comedy music shows that I know of, which was called Teaserama, and that was at least 10 years ago. But more recently, Paul decided to stop doing stand-up comedy. He made a fairly big career move, and he became a police officer for London's Metropolitan Police Service, which is what he now does on a full-time basis, working on London's streets, fighting crime, a bit like Robocop, if Robocop was actually an Irish man called Rob O'Cop who liked drinking lots of Guinness during his time off. Uh, Paul was on the podcast on his own in episode 349, talking about Marvel and DC superheroes, as he is something of an expert in that kind of thing. Basically, he's a tall police geek with a London accent and a penchant for Guinness. Then there's Alex Love. 
Alex grew up near Stroud, which is in Gloucestershire, which is in the Cotswolds, which is in the Southwest Midlands in England. As well as working as a freelance journalist, writing articles for newspapers, Alex continues to do stand-up comedy, although not during the lockdown, of course. Recently, he's been doing a successful show called How to Win a Pub Quiz, which he's performed at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe to sold-out rooms in recent years. Unfortunately, Edinburgh is cancelled this year, leaving Alex with a huge August-sized gap in his summer, I expect. I say Edinburgh is cancelled. I mean the festival, of course, not the city. The city still exists as far as I'm aware. But Alex has also brought his pub quiz show to various other places, including a recent trip to Australia and New Zealand, where he did shows in different places. He managed to get back home to Stroud in England just before New Zealand closed its borders because of the coronavirus outbreak. So he managed to get out of New Zealand and get back to Stroud just at the last minute, really. This sounded like a dramatic escape, which I imagine was pretty much as exciting as that moment in The Empire Strikes Back, the Star Wars film, when Han Solo manages to escape from the belly of a huge space worm just before it closes its mouth. Remember that scene? I'm sure taking off in a plane from New Zealand in the nick of time was exactly like that. Alex has been on the podcast a few times before, talking about his Edinburgh show, doing a pub quiz with me, and talking about Queen, the rock band. Then, finally, we have Moz. Last but not least, there's Moz. Moz used to work for the BBC as a producer of comedy TV shows, and he worked on various shows, including one memorable flop called Horn and Corden, a sketch show with James Corden, who you might know these days as the presenter of the Late Late Show with James Corden on TV in America. A few years ago, Moz changed career a bit and became a writer, podcaster and tour guide, setting up Murder Mile Walks and the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast, both of which are about real murders which occurred in various parts of London. On his tours, he takes people round various parts of the city and tells them true stories of grisly murders that happened there in the past. You might remember his previous appearances on this podcast telling the gruesome stories of some of those killings. Moz does loads of research into these crimes using court and police records in order to describe what really happened in proper detail. This level of research is one of the things that makes Moz's work unique. The other things are, of course, Moz's animal magnetism and his captivating storytelling abilities. So you can hear those stories by listening to the Murder Mile True Crime podcast, and you can find a link in the show notes, or by going on one of Moz's walking tours of London. Uh, there's also a link in the show notes to those. More recently, Moz started doing storytelling shows on stage in front of live audiences, that's live audiences rather than dead audiences. That's until COVID-19 came along, of course, putting a stop to those live shows. But his podcast continues. Moz also used to do stand-up comedy with Paul, Alex and me, but his performances were a bit different. In stand-up, it's normal to be yourself on stage. But Moz always performed in character. He also used a lot of pre-recorded audio. He would record an audio track beforehand and then while the audio played through speakers, he would stand on stage 
in costume and mime his performance without speaking, except maybe for a few noises here and there. One of the characters he used to do was called Sloppy Party Bottom, who was a sort of surreal clown in the proper French clowning tradition. But that description doesn't really do it justice at all. It was very funny and very weird. These days, Moz lives on a narrow boat on London's canal network. And yes, he does have a toilet and a shower on his boat, which I assume he uses. I hope he uses them anyway. So that's Paul Langton, police officer, Alex Love, journalist, comedian, and Moz, murder enthusiast, and storyteller, and writer, and podcaster. I say murder enthusiast, really. I mean that, you know, I mean that in the most respectful sense possible. Mm. Okay, and then there's me, of course. I think you know who I am, but I should remind you that I also do stand-up comedy, although not as regularly as I should, and not at all since COVID-19 came along, of course because obviously the comedy shows have all been closed down. I performed at the Brighton Fringe Festival three years running with Alex and Paul in that show that we called Snigger Happy. In 2010, our show was reviewed by Steve Bennett, who is probably the UK's most well-known comedy reviewer, certainly among comedians. So Steve Bennett is a comedy reviewer. He writes for a very well-known comedy website called Chortle. So Steve Bennett came to our show in 2010. Steve Bennett reviews all of the comedians, all the top comedians. So we were quite sort of surprised to see him in the audience at our show because it was only the first time we'd done the Brighton Fringe. Anyway, there he was. He reviewed us. And I had a really good gig that day and I got quite a good review. Bennett said that I had a promising future. Ooh, exciting. Two years later, Bennett unexpectedly reviewed our show again. So in 2012, he was in the audience again. But I had a truly awful gig that day and I died on my ass in front of him and the rest of the audience. It was horrible. Naturally, his second review was not positive at all. Quite the opposite. This still stings to this day. Ouch. When I think about it. I promised Steve Bennett that I would have a bright future as a stand-up comedian. He said something like, I was one to watch for the future, something like that. So I promised that I would have a bright future as a stand-up comedian. And then two years later, when the future arrived, I spectacularly failed to deliver on that promise. I think I've told the story of what happened during that awful performance before, so I won't explain it now. Perhaps I'll tell the story again sometime. Suffice to say, it was bad, and I will never really live it down meaning it was an embarrassing comedy failure that may haunt me for years to come, especially if Alex, Paul and Moz keep reminding me of it, which they often do, because it amuses them. Um, I wanted to interview Alex, Paul and Moz all at the same time. So what we're going to do in this episode is take turns to be interviewed by each other. We're all going to be cross-examined by each other one by one. It's a bit hard to explain this idea, but you'll see. Basically, you'll hear us talking about a variety of topics like our lives, our comedy stuff, our work, how our careers have been affected by coronavirus, regrets we've had about our pasts, little anecdotes, criticisms we've faced over the years, and of course, the occasional bit of toilet humour. What's the purpose for learning English, you might ask? Well, it's just the usual thing, which is that it's vital to regularly listen to authentic conversations in English. 
It's this kind of immersion, exposure and input which can make a crucial difference to your learning of English. It's the five L's. Listening, 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 listening and listening. Obviously, this episode is long, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. You don't have to listen to this in one go. You can pause, you can take a break, come back and your podcast app will remember where you stopped. One issue, and that's audio quality. This episode was recorded online via Zoom. And despite my best efforts, I couldn't get any of the others to use proper USB microphones. I even sent one by International Post to Alex, but unfortunately his laptop is basically kaput, so he had to use his phone. Not everyone is a teched-up podcaster with a plethora of microphones at his disposal, you know. So if you struggle to understand this conversation, then, well, you can blame them for not having state-of-the-art microphones, or you can blame me for choosing to do this whole project in the first place. Or you can just blame your old English teachers at school who probably didn't give you enough listening practice. Or you can blame yourself or just don't blame anyone. Probably the last one would be the best. Just don't blame anyone. It is what it is. Anyway, the main difficulty that I expect you will have with this is the sound quality. It's going to sound like it was recorded online during a four-way Zoom call. And that's because it was recorded online during a four-way Zoom call. And because there are four of us, and you might not know Paul, Alex and Moz that well, and because nobody is speaking super slowly to help you understand them, this could definitely be a challenging episode. So brace yourself. But then again, for all I know, this will be fine for you. You can let me know in the comments section. Some of you will be fine with the challenge, but others will find it tricky. But rarely in the real world do we get the luxury of perfect sound conditions, especially when doing video conferencing, which is becoming more and more commonplace during these times. It's okay, Luke. All right. Okay, I don't want to waffle any longer. Instead, I'll now say that it's just time to join me as I chat with my friends. I hope you enjoy it. Your tasks are to A, be able to identify who's talking. Basically, can you differentiate between Paul, Moz and Alex's voices? And B, can you actually understand what we're talking about? And C, can you use your imagination a little bit and imagine that the whole coronavirus thing isn't actually happening and that we're all, in fact, sitting around a table sharing a beer or a soft drink in the pub and you're there with us and everything is fine in the world. Okay, so that is all. Now, let's get started, and here we go. So then, the four of us are here together, online, uh, talking. No, that's not a good way to begin. Let's try, <laughs> let me try again. On, just just think about the fact breath. that we, we, this is literally, this is as good as close to the 10th anniversary of us sitting on the pier at Brighton. You know, inventing inventing Luke Johnson, the evil clone of Luke Thompson. Okay, let's try and make this more momentous then. Ten years yeah. ago, ladies and gentlemen, ten <laughs> years ago, the four of us were together in Brighton, probably around this time, for the Brighton Fringe Festival. History was made during that fateful week. Podcasts were recorded and the world uh, came to know... Paul Langton, Moz, hello, and Alex Love, and it's happening again. <laughs> yes, the coronavirus will not stop us. No, 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 nothing can stop us. I don't know how many podcast episodes have occurred between 
now and the last time the four of us were united together. I think it was the the last time this happened was when we were on Moz's boat and we recorded an episode which was called On a Boat. Clever. And we talked a load of old shite together and it was quite good fun. But we And then I vo- I vomited on the neighbor's boat about an hour later. Oh god, yeah, we got very very drunk, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> I think we have a motif. I think we've got yeah, a pattern. There was the oh, drunk I, I... there was the drunk episode as well, of course, that people may yeah. remember. We're deep into the archive episode archive here. Here we are again. Yeah, eight, here we years, go again. eight years ago, the drunk episode. Eight years wow. ago, was it the drunk eight. episode? Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And Bloody we are hell. still drunk. Eight years later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you yeah, know what we're going to do? So we, we know the plan for this episode. We can't spend yes. too long rabbiting on because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're all getting on a bit. We need to go to bed before it's too late. So the idea for this is that we're going to... Um, <laughs> kind of cross-examine each other aren't we that's the idea we're going to just basically interview each other it's a fairly loosely prepared concept but let's Mm -hmm. make it work now there are two rounds actually in round one all actually all i want to do is just pass around several questions so the questions are this what's your name what do you what do you do and how has your life been affected by the coronavirus pandemic should we set a time limit for this no, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon we should. We should, we'll just keep it brief anyway. Just I mean, keep it brief. So, what's yeah. your name? What do you do? How has your life been affected by the coronavirus pandemic? Let's try and keep that brief, if at all possible. Paul Langton, you're you're up first. What's your name? Uh, my my name is Paul Christopher Stephen Langton, BA No Ones. And what do you do? I'm a police officer for the Metropolitan Police Service. Wow, that's new. The last time you were on yeah. this podcast, you were quite far from being a police officer. He's unemployed. Just a drug grazed criminal. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a police officer. What? Sorry, what kind of police officer? A good one. I'm just a a a mediocre (laughs) one at best. But I do iron a good shirt and I polish a good boot. Are you a uniformed police officer? I am indeed. Yes. And and so what's your what's your rank? And that's rank, not rank. rank. Rank? Would you like to explain that? Uh, I, I'm a, I'm just a police constable. I'm, I'm the lowest rung of the ladder. You're police constable. Okay. Yes. Yes. And what does that involve then? What does that involve? I nick villains. You go up to bad people and go, "Oi, you're yeah. nicked." Yeah. And then one of them hands me a small brown envelope, and I go, "On your way, sir. Thank you." So you do not ex- really, not really, not really. You do accept bribes? You don't really. It's just a yeah. joke. Okay, well, wow, you're a police officer. That is that is amazing. Mm-hmm. We'll probably find out more when we get to round two of this. How has yeah. your life uh, as a police officer been affected by the coronavirus? Has it made it easier or more difficult? I would say two words, but I think it is actually one word. Overtime. You do lots of overtime. Yeah, it's it's been very busy. Been very busy because obviously it's uh, you know part of our job is to police the lockdown in in London. So yeah, it's, it's been it's been an interesting time to say the least. So you're one of these people who goes around when there are people gathering together in the park, and you go, "Excuse me, you you realise that there's a, a lockdown in place? You're going to have to move along, please." I've been I've been lucky because. Uh, I've sort of been taken off the uniform route for, whilst coronavirus has been on. I've been doing something else. But, uh, yeah, my team has been doing that. So it's, it's it's a weird thing because we're trying to save people's lives, but we also understand, especially in the weather we're having at the moment, it's, uh, you know, it's quite painful to have to say to people, you've been stuck in your house for two months and now we have lovely weather. Have two minutes, then go away. Okay, that's Paul Langton. Done. 
in round one. Let's move on to Alex Love. Now you've got your you've got your microphone that I sent to you. Is it actually plugged in and working? It's plugged in, uh, but my laptop's not working, so it's just for show, really. <laughs> it's just for show. You're actually still using headphones. I wonder if anyone yeah. can understand. We'll come to that in a bit. Anyway, Alex, what's your name? <laughs> Alex, what's your name? <laughs> Um, we'll come back to that full name please come on we'll come back to that I can't bank details what are your bank details <laughs> okay I know him so he's passed on the name question what do you do I'm well I suppose a journalist at the moment that's so, my main source of income you suppose you're a journalist mm-hmm. okay have you not read some of his stuff <laughs> What does that only on toilet walls? This, this may be a s- <laughs> toilet walls mainly. What does this? This may be a silly question, but uh, what does that involve? It involves writing things, interviewing people, and then uh, yeah, putting the story together. Putting a story together, mm-hmm. cooking up a story, just cooking up a bunch of fake news for the mainstream media how has your life been affected let's say your working life because you're also a, you're also a stand-up comedian alex well uh, i was but at the moment i haven't done a gig since i was in new zealand so well yeah that's quite an interesting story how i was in new zealand and uh, around the end of March, so I was due to fly home on the 25th of March, but my airline changed my flights to the 24th. And it turned out the 25th of March was when New Zealand went into lockdown. So I was able to get home the day before the country went into lockdown. So that was a bit of a relief. But yeah, I'm back in, in the countryside in Stroud in Gloucestershire now. And um, it's uh, yeah, lots of dog walking, lots of countryside and open spaces. So quite, quite a good place to be. Okay, then. Let's move on to Michael J. Buchanan Dunn, a.k.a. Moz. So, what's, what is your name? <laughs> my, <laughs> sorry, so, what was my name again? Can you remind me? Michael J. Buchanan Dunn, a.k.a. Yeah. Mike slash Moz. Yeah. Yes. Yes, correct. What's your name? Uh, that. You just said yeah. three times. <laughs> what, you, what, what you said. I know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I won't labour the, the the point. Uh, <laughs> what do you do? What do I? What do I do? What yeah. do I do? Uh, I am a writer by trade. Ooh, exciting! Very good. I write things. I put them on paper, and I speak them. And it's yes. And I do. I do. Uh, I do. Uh, I write up uh, uh, criminal histories and I turn them into little dramas and I put them out as a, a little podcast and people seem to like it. That's that's my new life now. I'm, I'm a full time writer. That's fantastic. And Very how, exciting. How's your life as, as a writer? Because I mean, um, my audience might know you already from previous episodes where we've talked about the way you research crimes and then write up, you know, write up the stories of them. How has your work being affected by the coronavirus it hasn't which is great um i actually did all my research in december january and february so by the time the virus hit i was already isolating because this is this is this is my life i sit in my little boat and i write all day so uh, nothing's changed it's great that's really <laughs> the, the only difference is i have to queue up to the shop that's the only difference <laughs> <laughs> okay right good 
Good. That's the end of round one. It's exciting, isn't it, this, folks? Who won? Uh, no one. Literally nobody oh, oh. won. Everybody lost. Oh. It's the sign of the times. I was hoping to get the Moody next MasterChef. It's, oh. it's a sign of the times. <laughs> there are no winners anymore. Um, <clears throat> except for the 1%, <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> yeah, giving it to the man. Okay, oh. now let's move on to uh, the exciting round two. This is where it all happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know the concept here is basically we're going to take it in turns to kind of cross-examine each other. We've all prepared questions. They're all probably completely unrelated questions. and uh, oh, But anyway, we've all got questions, and we're going to sort of take turns to um, question each other, a bit like Paul does with his suspects. As yeah, we won't go into that again. In the police, in the police <laughs> station. Hello, listeners. How's this episode going for you? Are you all right? I told you it would be difficult. Maybe you're finding it difficult. Maybe you're not. I don't know. What you're about to hear now is round two. And this is where we take it in turns to answer questions from each person. Okay. So Paul goes first, then Alex, and then me, and then Moz. Okay, so I'm going to read the questions out to you now just to give you a chance, because listening back to this, I thought to myself, if the listeners just miss those questions, because the questions are said sometimes quite quickly, and I thought, if you miss the question, then you'll be totally lost and you won't know what we're talking about. So I'm going to read the questions out to you now, just to allow you to think about them a bit, and then hopefully you'll be a bit more prepared and that will help you understand things even more. I'm very cautious that this is difficult for you to understand. It's just um, I've got an alarm bell. Alarm bells are ringing in the back of my head. As a teacher, I just have a sense of what my students usually understand and what they don't understand. So anyway, I'm doing this to help you. Right. So first up, it's Paul. Paul answers questions from me and Alex and Moz. And here are the questions. So I ask him this. um, When questioning a suspect in the police station, have you ever thrown a chair against a wall? Or slapped a cigarette out of someone's mouth? Because that's the sort of thing you see in films and TV shows. Alex asks Paul, what is your biggest regret from your time doing comedy? And Moz asks him, why do you love Rick Mail? Rick Mail was a comedian um, on TV and on stage. And we all loved him. He was brilliant. Uh, so why do you love Rick Mail? Okay, then it's time for Alex to answer questions. My question to Alex was this. I said, in the episode we recorded together about the rock band Queen, one listener wrote a comment and said, I don't understand any words in this conversation. This guy speaks like alien. How do you respond to this claim? Moz's question, what advice would you give to eight-year-old Alex Love? And Paul's question to Alex, as the only one of us who regularly still gigs, meaning still does comedy shows, What advice would you give to your younger self just before you got on stage many moons ago? So those are the questions for Alex. Then it's uh, time for me to answer questions. Paul asked me this. What do you most miss about London? Moz asks me, what part of your body annoys you the most and why? And Alex asks me, you were once predicted a bright future in comedy. What happened? Then it's Moz's turn. I ask him, Moz, you live on a narrow boat on the canal network. What is the most annoying behaviour that you've observed and experienced from others on the canal network? And Alex asks him, in your time at the BBC, what's the worst TV show you worked on and why? 
and Paul asked him, have you ever been tempted to get back on stage as one of your old characters? Okay, so those are the questions you're going to hear, and I will now let you listen to us answering them, and here we go. So, um, let's see, I think we'll start with Paul, okay? Yep. So the table who, who am I interrogating first? No, we are interrogating you. That's the point. Oh, the three I like of us, it. Go on then. The three of us are going to take turns asking questions at you. Okay. All right, go on then. Go okay. On then. Um, I'm going to go first. So, Paul mm-hmm. Langton, you are a police officer. Yep. <laughs> While questioning a suspect in the police station, have yes. you ever have you ever thrown a chair against a wall or slapped a cigarette out of someone's mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have never thrown a chair at the wall because they're all screwed down for obvious reasons. Uh, and you cannot smoke in a UK police station. So, no, I, have, I haven't uh, knocked a cigarette out of someone's hand. I have said somewhat to someone, don't play silly buggers with me, sunshine. <laughs> uh, I have actually said that. And I've also said uh, other immortal catchphrases such as, you're, you're, you're heading towards a nicky, my friend. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all... It, all the all the you know the famous American cop shows they're all uh, unfortunately they're all very much that fiction. You don't get that nowadays. You actually mostly just get people talk to their solicitors and then uh, you ask them all the questions about the reasons you, you've got them there, and they just look at you in a smug manner and say no comment until you get very angry and then leave the room. Okay, um, Alex, you want to go next with your question for Paul? All right. This is the one minute round, he says, making up the rules as he goes along. Oh, let, let's make it. Let's make like it. The them. most you can do is one minute. So you stop us if we go on too long. Okay. And then if we finish before one minute, such is life. Okay. Alex. Yeah. Right. So, Paul Langton, what is your biggest regret from your time doing comedy? Uh, working with you. No. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> what's my biggest regret during co- doing comedy? Uh, I didn't take it seriously enough. Uh, I think I had a good comedy voice, to, to quote our, our, our beloved teacher, Logan. But I didn't spend enough time writing. So I don't think I, I did myself justice. Writing. No, sometimes, sometimes I signed a cheque that bounced. Um, yeah, no, I think, I, think I, I, I regret that I didn't, you know, try to write something. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, however many years I gave it a go. Uh, and I think it was fun. It was good to get to know you. It was good to do the whole Edinburgh thing. Obviously, I've come out with you know at least three good friends, uh, none of who are on this call. Obviously, um, <laughs> hey, see, I'm still writing. So yeah, uh, uh, I, I regret that I didn't give it my best shot. Nine seconds. Yeah, the rule is you have to do a minute. You have to do a minute. All right, fair enough. I'm going to stick to that. Okay, very good, very good. Uh, Moz, what's your question for Paul then, please? I know what your question is going to be, but carry on. Paul Langton. Michael J. Buchanan Dunn. Thank you. Um, you love Rick Mail. Oh, why, yes, do do. Rick- why do you love Rick Mail? Rick Mail, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Rick Mail is a comedian uh, f- from uh, TV in the UK. Very funny man. He's now dead, unfortunately. But um, anyway, Rick Mail. Why do you love why Rick Mail? Why do I love... I love Rick Mail because it was anarchy. It was just hilarious. There was not, a, there was nothing that I ever saw him do that I thought was rubbish. Uh, and he just, he just looked like everything he was doing was just the most amount of fun he could have. Um, I've got it on good authority of people who met him. Sadly, I never did. Uh, that he was just a genuinely lovely bloke and just, you know, just was this ball of mayhem. Um, he was also quite a good actor. Uh, you know, he's great. 
good writer. I mean, people think it's just slapstick at the bottom and, and young ones and everything. But if you ever watched the whole comic strip, some of the stuff they did, um, and some of his Kevin Turvey stuff, he's just the reason I wanted to watch comedy and the reason I wanted to get into comedy, you know. Um, it was very sad when he died. Um, and it's a, it's a shame that they never got to do that last series of bottom that supposedly him and him and Adrian Edmondson were talking about doing. Um, a sad loss, and he left quite a young family behind. But, yeah, uh, he's the reason I wanted to do comedy in the first place. Okay. <laughs> you know what? We're going to move on now to Alex Love. Yeah. So we, we'll Alex, probably Alex circle Love. we'll circle back to Paul because you've mm-hmm. all got several other questions for him, but we'll circle back to Paul. Yes. So we're going to move on to Alex Love then. And uh, I'll go first with my first question. Are you ready for this, Alex? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Alex, in the episode that we recorded together about the rock band Queen, yeah. one listener called Arsini wrote this. He said, I don't understand any words in this conversation. This guy speaks like alien. <laughs> How do you respond to this claim? How do you respond to that? Um, how do I respond? Well, you know, maybe he needs to work on his hearing. I don't know. It was, um, I don't have the best recording equipment or internet connection. So that's largely why. And, um, I've got another 40, 40 seconds of this, haven't I? You do, I'm afraid so. You need to explain your lack of, uh, uh... well, I'm j- I just refuse to spend money on things. So, um, unless I have absolutely no choice. But you, you very kindly sent me a microphone, Luke, to improve my clarity of speaking on the internet. Um, but unfortunately, uh, I can't, well, my laptop doesn't work. So, um, <laughs> the, do you want me to send you a laptop? Uh, yeah. Can you do that? No. <clears throat> Sorry. I can't do that. Uh, Okay, well, there no, you go. I don't want to do that. What do you think, just as a follow-up question for, for Mars and Paul, do you think that Alex is um, incoherent as a speaker? No, most of the time I've known him, yeah. In terms of his... his, uh, Can you actually understand the words, or is it just that you don't know why he's using those words? I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. None of my listeners will be able to tell if you're joking or if you're being sincere in these answers but anyway well we will find out as we get more more grilling right let's move on to moz your question for alex please alex love what advice would you give to eight-year-old alex love oh don't do film studies at university but i would say to him uh that there are lots of things you worry about but you don't need to and it's going to just be a complete waste of time. And I would just hold you back. So, uh, yeah, you just got to do things that you enjoy and have some fun and, uh, and not worry so much about the little things. You've got 15 seconds. Oh, 15 <laughs> seconds. Also, don't do the Amuse Moose course, whatever you do, especially in 2009, because you'll meet three people who you should avoid at all costs. That's the comedy course that we all did. What he's saying there, listeners, is that he regrets meeting any of us. You see, that's funny, isn't it? This is really lovely, yeah. Really yeah. lovely. Comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Paul, it's your turn then to ask your question for Alex Love. Alex Love, hello. Hello. 
Right. My question is sort of similar to Vane to Mozzie's. Uh, as the only one of us who uh, regularly, up until recently, uh, still gigs, um, what what minutes worth of advice would you give to the young you just before they got on stage for the first time many moons ago? It would be to uh, to enjoy it, really. And again, uh, not trying to think too much about um, messing up and just go go with the flow see if um don't worry too much about the material in the script just concentrate on enjoying it and having fun and uh but also write work hard do lots of gigs be organized and don't just um do your jokes that you know work um always try new stuff and uh and don't get lazy and i I, I still struggle with that last bit today because it's very easy to just stick doing what works and what you know will do well when really you should always be trying new things. Yeah. Congratulations, right. Alex. We'll make sure that message gets back through uh, the space time continuum to your younger self. <laughs> 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 um, okay. Okay, then. It's time for Lukey. Oh, it's my turn, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Then. Um, so I'll, I'll, we'll start with Paul, the police officer. Hopefully uh, he won't be asking me a professional question. No, no, I've already seen your file. Um, so, uh, Luke Thompson, uh, as, uh, as, as I confirmed yesterday via text message, much like myself, you are a born and bred Londoner mm. and you have been away from these uh, delightful aisles for several years now. So I would like to ask you. What do you most miss about London? Oh, what do I most miss about London? Um, mm-hmm. uh, two things. Three things. All right. The first thing is uh, pubs, because pubs are fucking brilliant, right? Not only do they sell you beer in large glasses, but also <laughs> n- generally you kind of get left alone when you're in a pub. You can just go in and you sit down. You don't have, you're not at the mercy of a waiter which is uh, yes. what you get in a, in a French cafe. You're basically at the mercy of the waiter. You have to sit down, and then you, when you want a drink, you've got to kind of wait for the waiter to come to you or somehow uh, in, you know, get the attention of the waiter, which can be difficult. Whereas in a pub, you go to the bar, and it's kind of your responsibility to, to, get, uh, to get yourself a drink. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, and also, all the beer is, is usually good. Whereas in France... That's a, that's a minute already, bloody hell. In France, <laughs> it's a wine-based country, isn't it? It's generally wine-based. And uh, so beer is not one of their priorities. As a result, the beer selections often are woefully inadequate, in my opinion. There you go. I'll basically say the other two things. The, the, the other yeah. one was the what I miss is the lack of shit on the pavement. Right, well, right. Talked about which this is before, again think, yeah. another little dig at Paris. I love Paris. It's a beautiful. I love Paris. It's totally beautiful. It's an amazing place. Totally, uh, <laughs> But uh, there is poo on the floor, and they, there's less. There's less in London, and um, I don't. Rem- oh, and the other thing is there are more trees in London. I miss those trees. And other, oh, really? other than that, oh. other than that, everything's great. All right. Nice. Okay. Well um, done. I'm happy. I'm happy with your answer. Thank you very much, Moz. I'm not. I'm not going to get arrested then. No, not yet. 
Okay. Moz? Luke, <laughs> what part of your body annoys you the most and why? Oh, oh my God. What part of my body annoys me the most? Uh, what part of my body annoys me the most? It's my, uh, it's my toes. My toes really Ooh. irritate me. They really get on my nerves. They really do. My toes get on my tits. What? Okay, because... He does yoga. He does yoga. I don't do yoga. I don't do yoga. That's probably the problem. I should be doing yoga. If I did, I'd probably have healthier toes. Um, so the problem with my toes is that I've got... I've, this is really wonderful information. I've got bunions. <laughs> and uh, as a result, my big toes are swollen and they're painful. And so when it's hot... Uh, they swell up and, and they become fain- painful. And when it's cold, they get cold and painful. So they're, they're hot, painful, hot and painful, cold and painful, or ambient and painful. And um, that's very annoying. You can get it, these little girdles I've seen now that actually reset, reconfigure your toe when you've got bad bunions. Well, I went to a French... Oh, that's one minute already. I went to a... <laughs> shut up. Shut up, alarm. I went to a French podologue, which is a foot doctor, and she gave me... Chiropodist, uh, we call them here. Yeah. She gave me uh, inner soles for my shoes, which are supposed to do the trick, but I haven't worn them for ages. I, w- I needed to wear shoes on a regular basis for several months. So mm. my toes are oh, my toes are struggling with the <laughs> coronavirus. It's like the one, the one thing that no one cares about, the one health issue in the midst of this crisis that no one cares about or writes about or should care about. There are far more important health-related issues Actually, going around than In the than first round, toes. we didn't give you your minute to say hello, so that's your coronavirus story then. Yeah, that's right. I'm Luke Thompson, yeah. and I'm a podcaster <laughs> and English teacher, and uh, the, my toes have suffered during this crisis, which in the, it, in context is not very important. Okay. And you and you don't speak French, hence you spell, pronounced it podologue. <laughs> podologue? No, I think that is actually how they pronounce it. He says, checking on Google Translate, right? Google Translate, the lazy man, the lazy language learner's tool. Uh, but it is actually useful for uh, when you need to pronounce something quickly in another language. Uh, I'm just going to write podologue. Podologue. Yeah, you couldn't hear that, but I could in my headphones. Podologue. Podologue. Hello, my British chums. Podologue. Okay, next. Alex. Right. I've got one that's really horrible, um, but I've got nicer ones. Do you want the horrible one? Are we on about your toes here? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies. Which one of your toes is your least favourite? Which one of my toes? Which one of my yeah. toes? You, did you just make that's that up? Question. You just made that up yeah, now? No, no, no. no. <laughs> so, the question? <clears throat> question. This is the horrible question. Um, you once predicted a bright future in comedy. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) What's to say I haven't had a bright future in in comedy? It's been all right. I've done quite well, actually. Um, I'm going to do that thing where you turn the question round and just deny it. Actually, I think you'll find I've I've done quite well in comedy. I've performed at the Comedy Store in London, um, which is uh, no mean feat. Not at the uh, Gong Show. Um, Hang on, no mean feat. Feet. Mean, mean, mean feet. 
That comedy course yeah. wasn't wasted, was it, folks? No. <laughs> I've, and so I've done do all right. I've, without doing the gong? So my mate Paul, this person who I was going to be performing with in in London until the bloody coronavirus came along. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. he did a gig at the comedy store and he got he filled it because there's lots of French people in London and I was mm-hmm. his, his support act. So it's not a proper, oh, no. it's not like I did it like on the, uh, on the proper Thursday night or Friday night show. But anyway, I did. And then, and other stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, maybe I'm not, I didn't quite uh, reach the heights uh, that were predicted by Steve Bennett. Three, he, he saw me uh, in 2010. He said uh, he's one to watch for the future. Three years later, he absolutely, um, what's the, what would be the phrase? He, he wrote a very critical piece on me. So he, a I, damning piece. A damning piece. I promised a future which I didn't deliver to him personally. But for me, I've, I'm, I'm all right. I've done okay, in my opinion. Not in no, in no one else's. But I'm all right, I think. Um, so. That was nice. Uh, Moz, <laughs> it's, it's, it's your turn. Oh, great. I think I'm going to go first. Oh, shit. With your question. <laughs> Okay, mm-hmm. uh, if I can just find it. So, um, Moz. Oh, dear. You live on a narrow boat on the canal network. What's the most annoying... I think you find that's the anal network. They take the sea off. What is the most annoying behaviour that you experience in the world of narrow boating on the canal network? What's the most annoying behaviour that you've observed or experienced from others on the canal network? You've got one minute starting now. Ooh, um, because the boat is on the towpath, people tend to come past. And if your window's open, they'll peep in and they'll have a look around your boat. Uh, sometimes it's kind of people who are a bit rude and peeping in. Sometimes it's a very pretty lady with very nice legs. And uh, being being a single man, uh, there have been moments when I've been like, oh, lovely lady. But quite often uh, people will peep in if, you're, if your door's open and they'll look around and they'll go, oh, you've got a kitchen. I didn't realise you had a kitchen. And you go, yes, I've got a kitchen. Do you have a toilet? Yes, I've got a toilet. Oh, okay. Do you have a shower? Yes, I've got a shower. And then you have to explain to them how you can do all your basic functions in a boat. Oh, by idiots who don't understand that living on a boat is perfectly normal. Uh, but I love it. It's a nice place to live. Uh, nice neighbours. Very peaceful. Um, and for me, uh, it's, yeah, I, I, I live here nice and quietly and it's, peaceful and good fun and i love it well done one minute exactly you hit the one minute mark like a champion of hitting one minute things um <laughs> okay alex your turn uh hello Mike. i've got a nice question or a horrible question <laughs> no that's only, nice. for, it's only for me yeah. <laughs> 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 right so moz in your time at the BBC, oh you worked dear. in the comedy department uh, as a BBC. I was never, I was never arrested. <laughs> you were never caught, cool. listeners. He what? used to work. He used to work as a producer of comedy <laughs> television programs at the uh, British Broadcasting Corporation. So, to start the question again. Right. In your time at the BBC, Moz, what is the worst TV show you worked on, and why? Oh, good question. Easy. Worst TV Easy. show. Easy peasy. It's got to be Horn and Corden. Everyone's <laughs> favourite worst programme in the world by uh, James, James Corden. 
I don't think Luke, you'll allow me to say the words I need to say. Uh, you can say them, Matt Horn. It was a sketch show. It wasn't particularly funny. Uh, he was quite arrogant around that time. He used to be a very nice guy. When he started out doing Gavin and Stacey, very nice guy. Got very arrogant very quick. Wasn't a good show. Uh, nobody really watched it. He expected a second series. I don't think anyone wanted it to come back. It was dog shit. Uh, and everyone knew it, but obviously, because he was famous around the time, they uh, they let him have a first series. He's oh, shit. Uh, which was a shame because there were some good series uh, that didn't get made. We Are Clang was a good series. Um, didn't get made, really funny. funny. One of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Cried all the way through. It was so funny. Got canned because the people in charge didn't like it. Whew, another minute. Hoo-ah. Well done, me. <laughs> I'm hitting this one minute mark. Check me out. <laughs> In terms of timing, Moz, you are brilliant. Everything on the other, all in, only in terms of timing. No, I'm joking, I'm joking of course. Okay, uh, Paul. I've got to ask yeah, a question. Paul, Paul. Uh, Michael Judas Buchanan Dunn. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Just because I uh, killed it. It's no, a very quick question. Um, so basically, uh, when we all met, you were doing your your shows like. Uh, Monster Cannibal, you had your character like Monster Modern Man, you were doing Sloppy Party Bottom. You've gone on to do your podcast and your walks. Have you ever been, and I know you you were before coronavirus, you were actually doing sort of a live stage show of the, the podcast kind of thing, or that was in the works. Have you ever thought recently to get the old uh, purple leotard back on and uh, get back on stage as one of your wonderful characters? No. Can, I, can I just add here that uh, Paul is referring to a character that Moz used to do on stage. The name of the character was Sloppy Party Bottom. Uh, the character was uh, marked by the use of a purple uh, tight-fitting leotard and other accessories, including what? There was a lipstick. Uh, lipstick, sort of smudged smudged lipstick all over the face. A, a black flat cap tie. as well. Yeah. A tie. Uh, a, 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 green, a, a, green and black tie. Green yeah. and black tie and a flat yeah. cap. And also and, and something that kind of looked like a Hoover, but it wasn't a Hoover. And this character, like a Dustbuster or something, wasn't it? No, I know. I think it was a, 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 a garden sprinkler. And this character mm-hmm. would uh, do things like uh, play uh, "I Want to Break Free" by Queen on a little boombox and do ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous, uh, quite sexual miming uh, to it. Luke, you're making you're making it sound shit. <laughs> No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was brilliant. Uh, it was one of the most hilarious things I've seen, actually. Yeah. It was brilliant. Yeah. So that was the character Sloppy Party Bottom, which can't really be described, but it was extraordinary and very funny. Uh, so, Paul, but basically, sorry. you know, yeah, my question was, you know, have you thought about getting back on, have you ever thought about getting back on stage with one of your characters or one of your, one of your one man, well, I wouldn't even call them one man plays because you sort of play all the characters and there's loads of them, but you know, have you wanted to get back on stage and do that again? Uh, yes, uh, I do. I do kind of miss it. Even even though I always say that a lot of my shows, I always regard them as modestly successful failures, which is a, a nice way of saying that nobody liked them, but I learned things from it. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I sloppy party bottom. I really miss it. Was a good character. It no one understood it. I didn't understand it, uh, but I had a hell of a lot of fun doing it. And it's one of those things that I think it's a character that you have to do every so often. You just have to do it. Don't try and understand it. Just have some fun.
fun. And I, I really enjoyed myself. It was, it was a giggle. And uh, when we did, uh, I, I did a show with Paul. Paul Vane ki- kindly invited me on to Teaserama, which was uh, revolutionary. It was back in the days, you know, doing a, a live yeah, live stream comedy. Who'd have, thought, who'd have thought I'd be the innovator of that bad boy? Totally. Live stream comedy. And this was, what, eight years ago? Yeah. Pro- probably longer. And it was a live show. It was like TFI Friday, which were uh, big in the uh, ni- 1990s, 2000s. It was a fantastic show. Loved it. Would love to do it again. <laughs> right. So that was uh, Moz. And... Um... So wait, who have we had so far? We've done it all. We've, we've, all it. we've all done our questions to each other. We've all interrogated each other once. Okay, you are now about to hear the third round, and this is the final round, actually. How's it going, everybody? I'm going to ask you that again. How is it going? Are you okay? Right, you're still listening, so I suppose it can't be that bad. Maybe you're like, oh, God, it hurts. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, third round. Let me say the questions in advance for you to give you a fighting chance. So Paul goes first. Alex asks Paul this lovely question. How close have you been to pooing your pants on duty as a police officer? To poo your pants would be if you desperately need to go to the toilet in order to do a poo, uh, but you can't, and you have a terrible accident in your trousers, in your underpants. That is to poo your pants. It's a tragic, tragic uh, situation. Anyway, how close have you been to pooing your pants on duty as a police officer? Moz asks him, if you had to go shopping at the supermarket right now, what would you buy? And I ask him, what's the best way to talk to a police officer to avoid being arrested? Moz then goes next. And Alex asks him this. You did a lot of pre-taped audio tracks with your comedy. Why did you never do stand-up as yourself? Paul asks Moz, you do your murder mile walks in London. What is the funniest crackhead story you have from your tours? Because Moz walks the streets of central London sometimes early in the morning and it's not uncommon for him to come across uh, London's homeless community many of whom are drug addicts, crack addicts, heroin addicts. Uh, so Paul would like to know the funniest crackhead story that, that uh, Moz has, an encounter with a crackhead. Sometimes they're probably not funny, but sometimes they can be funny. Anyway, that's the question. And then my question to Moz is, Moz, you live on a boat. What is the wettest you've ever been? Then it was my turn. Alex Love asked me this. Uh, When you were young, Luke, what job did you want to do when you grew up? And Paul asked me, what's the most surreal review or comments you've received in the 10 years you've been doing this podcast? So what's the most surreal or odd comment that has been written on your website? And I've received all sorts of weird and surreal comments in the past, including, remember those comments from vampires and stuff? Remember all that stuff? But for some reason, I couldn't think of any examples of those. And instead, I mentioned something else, which is not really the weirdest. Anyway, you'll hear what I say. Then it's time for Alex to answer questions. Moz asks him, why would you make a great or shit astronaut? Uh, I asked him, what's the worst or best gig that you've ever had? And Paul asks him, 
what's the worst heckle you've received on stage? A heckle is when a member of the audience shouts something at you or says something at you. Often it's criticism or abuse or something like that. Heckling is something that stand-up comedians have to deal with. That's just when members of the audience shout things or say things at you and you have to deal with them. So what's the worst heckle you've received on stage? And then at the end, there are some stories of awful gigs. We end up telling a few little stories about bad gigs that we've either experienced or seen, including stories of weird audience members, including a woman with a glass eye, a deaf man, a poor man who had a seizure during the show, another poor man who was a burns victim and he had he had scars on his face. The comedian didn't notice, but it turns out he had scars on his face because he got burnt once, which is a sad story. Mm, we're not making fun of him. Then there was a, a scouser who just didn't like me and more. Okay, so those are the questions you're going to hear. Just in case this episode wasn't long enough, I've decided to add these other extra little bits. But anyway, it's all in order to help you understand and learn this colourful language that we call English. Here we go. Let's do at least one more, one more round here. Okay, so right. we, we come back then to Paul Langton, officer, Hello. police officer Paul Langton. And yes. uh, Alex, you can ask him you can ask him a question first then. <laughs> oh Christ. Paul Langton. <laughs> yes, Alex Love. How close have you been to putting your pants on duty? <laughs> As, as a police Ooh, officer. Good question. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, how, how close have you been to pooing your pants on duty? Yeah. Doing yeah. a poo in his in pants hands. rather than in a yeah. toilet where one normally does it. Because Paul has a lot of yeah. problems with his bowels, which I do as yeah. well. Yeah. Do you do you have a do you have a problem with that then, Paul? You've got irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> no, I just like Guinness. <laughs> so how close um, how close have you been to defecating yourself uh, while on duty? You've got one minute. I think this is this is. Uh, I have been quite lucky in the sense that, you know, it sounds very uh, twee, but we work together quite well as a team, me and the other people on my team. We, we look after each other. Uh, I haven't touched wood, um, had too many scary moments like that. But, you know, you normally you normally do something like, you know, you go somewhere and, uh, you know, there's blood all over the place. There's someone with a knife and you don't know what's going on. And then the next thing you know, it's on the floor, that kind of thing. Um, I've been very lucky. I've seen some very scary things, but I haven't been in a toilet moment yet. Touch wood. You've got 20 uh, seconds. I've still got about there. 22 seconds. We, we want to know about uh, some of these scary moments. Well, if it is, there's not much to say because, you know, most most things, yeah, you, you see the big things in the news where there's knife crime and gun crime and everything, but most of these people are cowards. And when they see three or four people, you know, my size, six foot plus and 30 and, you know, 15, 16 stone coming out of in uniform, they drop what they've got anyway. They never want to use these things. People die because, you know, mistakes more than anything else. Well, that went all deep, didn't it? No, it's good. I liked it. I liked it when it went deep. No, yes. uh... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That was, Alex. Deep, baby. that was Alex's Thank question. You, Alex. Mars. Your turn to Luke. ask Officer Langton a question. Thank you, Luke Johnson. Thank you. <laughs> Officer Paul Langton. Yes, uh, that's me. If you had to go shopping right now at the supermarket, what would you buy? Great question. And why? 
Uh, I would buy uh, several cans of the wonderful Irish-based stouts Guinness. Uh, I would also probably get myself uh, the latest uh, Star Wars movie, the uh, the Rise of Skywalker, just to complete the collection more than anything else. It's a shit movie. Um, uh, and I would also get myself some uh, deodorant because I'm sweating like a fat lass. And going through it so quickly. You got 20... 27 seconds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sweating like a fat lass uh, refers to a statement used mostly by people in the north of England that suggests that you are sweating so profusely that you're like a woman who's rather overweight, who's been doing quite a lot of exercise, therefore is sweating buckets. Okay, I'll let you off the last five seconds just in case you say something mm. inappropriate. Okay. Exactly. Now it's my turn, isn't it, to ask you a yeah, question? Yeah. Okay, then, Paul. Yeah, go on then. My question to you is: What I'd, li- mm-hmm. I'd like you to give some advice to the general public. Mm-hmm. So, what is the best way? And this is based on a little sketch by Adam and Joe. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with this sketch, but basically, what is the best way to talk to a police officer? If you've been caught doing something you're not supposed to be doing, so I'm asking for a friend. So let's say the crime is something reasonably petty. Let's say you've been caught cycling on the pavement, or you've mm-hmm. been caught in possession of a small amount of cannabis. Let's say, which is clearly for personal use. Cannabis, yes, indeed. You can yes. hear the sirens going on in the background. <laughs> can you call them off, guys? Okay, yeah, guys. They're, they're on their way over, mate. Okay. Um, so, so, uh, so, so, so th- yes. What's the best way to address you as a police officer? I do have options. Do you want the options? Uh, yeah, go on. Give me the options, and I'll tell you what I think. Option A suggests that you should be focusing on catching more serious criminals, like, yeah, for example, haven't you got something better to do? Um, yeah. You know, blah blah blah. B pretend to be foreign and say mm-hmm. like, "Oh, sorry, I am not speak the English." What means crime? You know that kind of thing. I've had both of those. Carry on. Okay. C try to justify the crime and argue that it's actually quite reasonable and shouldn't be considered illegal anyway. For example, you know um, the roads are too dangerous for me to cycle on the road, so it's actually safer if I cycle yep. on the pavement. Or cannabis is actually. So many doctors argue that it's a health a good. Legalize for your health. it. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. D uh, should the person pretend to fancy you or flirt with you as a way of avoiding an arrest. Or mm-hmm. E, uh, be very posh and cooperative. And so, oh, I'm terribly sorry, officer. I had no idea. Uh, yes, of course, anything you say, that sort of thing. What's the I've best had, approach? I've had all, all of them apart from D, which may surprise you. Um, you haven't had the D? I haven't had the D. Um, I had several E's ones, but that's another story. Um, the best way to always to address a police officer is uh, with remorse. Admit what you've done. And that's it. Simple as that. Everyone thinks that we're after everyone and they're going to, you know, just want to... I mean, the thing is, why would you criminalise someone? And also things like cannabis, someone with a very small amount of personal use, it will be taken off them and off they go, you know. But most people, the trouble is most people, they've, you know, especially... uh, I'm going to sound like a very old man here, I'm only 44, but the youth of today, they've watched too much rubbish. You get some kid who's brought up in Hampstead you know, a very white privileged kid and they're going, oh, Popo, why don't you fuck off, you prick, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to pop a cap in your ass. And you're like, one, don't say ass, say ass, because it ass sounds weird. And you're not going to pop a cap in anyone, are you, really? So, yes, I would go with E, but no need for the posh. 
Okay, just sort of be very uh, cooperative, basically. There you yeah, go. Cooperative. There you go, folks. Little bit. You'll of... be treated with respect if you give respect back. Okay. All right then. Very good. Shall we move on to? Um, shall we move on to Moz? Then let's do Moz. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex, you can go first. All right. Okay. Um, Hello, Alex. Hello, Moz. Let's see what we've got here for you. Right. Now, Moz, you did a lot of uh, pre-taped tracks with your comedy. What I want to know is um, you never really did conventional stand-up as yourself. Why Why was that? Oh, good question. Um, oh, oh don't, get, don't look too excited. <laughs> um, I... D- do you know what? I, I'll be honest. I think it was fear. I think yeah. it was fear of going on stage and not and being a little bit freer with myself. Whereas what I enjoyed was writing down, rehearsing, and getting it all tight. But the problem is that, as as you know, it doesn't give you freedom to kind of explore an idea and explore uh, time and pacing and stuff like that. Which is kind of what I'm enjoying now doing the live shows now. I. I turn up on stage and literally I, I have like five, five bullet points and an hour and a half later I'm, I'm, I'm bullet point three. So uh, I'm kind of exploring that now. I'm enjoying the fact that I can just look at an idea and just explore it, have some fun, um, make some jokes. Uh, I do actually make some jokes. Interestingly, I do. Ah. <laughs> um, I have a bit of a giggle. So uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. There you go. Bang. Exactly. One minute again. I know. Uh, not not comedy gold but one minute (laughs) do always do your time always do your time one of the secrets one of the rules of comedy hills have you got that hills (laughs) (laughs) um okay that was alex's question um alex's Alex's question that's what happens when i'm thinking and speaking at the same time uh uh, paul yes um right so michael j buchanan done uh, my question to you is quite simple. You do your murder mile walks, or sadly not at the moment, but you know every Sunday you will take your 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 people out for your little murder mile walks around the Soho environs. Um, what is the funniest crackhead story you have from your tours? Just to explain uh... that, because Moz does his tours through central London on a Sunday morning, he normally gets accosted by some member of our wonderful homeless community who takes several, mem- several methods of Class A drugs. Um, so, God, what's your best crackhead story? Oh, God, uh, trying to get this into one minute is going to be a nightmare. Okay, um, I was standing there one day. A, a gentleman who enjoys crack came up to me. Um, a friend had taught me ages ago, be respectful to them, talk to them like a friend. Uh, engage with them and then they'll, they'll eventually walk away. So I was doing that and I kept looking to my customers and they kept giving me a weird look. I, was, I, I couldn't engage with them. I had to talk to this guy and he was going, he was waffling on and eventually he walked away. And as he got far enough away, I turned to everyone and went, what? Why were you looking at me? What was going on? And they went, his penis was hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there was another guy as well who halfway through uh, a show, uh, one of the tours, he was having a dump, having a big old poo about three feet away from us. And he was having constipation problems. Um, and another one at the very start of the tour, this is when I started, I used to do a bit where I'd go down a side alley and I saw uh, a collection of coats. 
uh, on the ground. And I thought, well, it's just some homeless people having a sleep, so I'll, I'll be quite quiet. So I did my bit, and my voice was really low. And then I looked, and I realised it was... <laughs> the, the coats were raising and lowering, uh, lowering very quickly. And it was a uh, homeless couple... <laughs> Having a lovely Being intimate. sex session. Yeah. <laughs> a couple, oh, couple of homeless people having sex. Yep. All got to be done. Yep. Why not? When the feeling is right, when the time is right. When you've got some crack. Lovely crack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you get some lovely, lovely crack. <laughs> okay, then. Right. So, Mars, it's my turn then. So, Mars, as we've established, you live on a boat. Uh, so, my question to you is, what is the wettest you've ever been? <laughs> <laughs> Moist. <laughs> Your minute starts now. Um, I've fallen into the canal quite a few times. Uh, first time uh, was actually a week after I got the boat. I was moving the boat. I was a novice. The boat got hit by a weir, which is basically a piece of fast, fast-moving water that pushed the boat away. And I was approaching a corner too fast. So being a bit of a dick. Instead of trying to gun the engine, get the engine fast and move the boat away, uh, I decided to ju- I decided to jump off the boat and push uh, from the towpath and push the boat away. Uh, but then I fell into the canal and then realized my engine was still on, the propeller was still moving, and the, the propeller was coming towards me, and uh, which was pretty scary. Did you die? Or- oh, yeah. Uh, no, what, what what I did was I I, I managed to get the boat uh, out of the, um, the the propeller to stop moving, and then I was like, "Great, let's try and get off the, uh, the towpath." So I, oh, oh, that's a minute! Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Um, I grabbed hold of the, the towpath, and it was full of grit, and I couldn't get a grip. And then my boots started to fill with water, and I started to sink under the water. Oh and my as my head bobbed underwater, I went, "Help!" As this guy walked past with his dog, and he went. All right, mate, and walked on. Didn't even help you. What he was a like, prick. All right, good morning, and he carried on. <laughs> Didn't even help. He walked past with his dog as I was going under with a boat, with a fifteen-ton boat still dragging me away. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, good thank- day. Thankfully, you're still here to tell the tale. Just about. Okay, so that's Moz's round, and uh, I am just- round. Yeah, that wasn't a fact. That was that was more of a statement of. <laughs> what's just happened um it, it, alex is it is it you next i've lost track i don't know it who's... is yeah he's, yeah. He's, it's alex yeah okay then have we done have, has it been your turn again luke no we can do my you can do me now if you want yeah Ooh. you said that before Ooh. yeah Ooh. I'm waiting to say <laughs> that one Ooh. i don't mind i don't mind okay well you can do me then come on i'm All ready right. i'm Ooh. ready i'm ready okay i've got a I've good got question one. for you this time Ooh. um what job did you want to do when you were growing up other than you know realistic jobs not like being in a band okay <laughs> when i was in <laughs> secondary was in a band yeah well not as really as a job not a realistic ish. job when i was in secondary when i was in secondary school for some reason i wanted to be i wanted to run a leisure center seriously <laughs> Mr. Britas, Mr. Britas. Exactly. Um, it was two reasons. One was that I was really into sport, like every single sport. My my worldview was quite narrow, and it was just sport. This was all I was interested in. Every single sport, I, I loved doing it, and the prospect of a sports centre was just the most amazing thing for me. Uh, equipment, sports equipment. 
like uh, a little football pitch with uh, with those goals that are not full size and uh, tennis courts and badminton and trampolines and all that sort of thing was really the stuff I used to dream of. And the other reason was because I was genuinely a fan of the Britass Empire and I enjoyed the fact it was set in a sports centre and I thought I could do that. And so I was Hello, genuinely, Colin. I genuinely wanted to be the the manager of a sports centre, um, and thankfully I, that didn't actually happen. She <laughs> had a really had a really dark ending, the British Empire. Did it? Did he have a nervous breakdown or something at the end? It was all a dream. Watch it. Watch it. YouTube it. YouTube it. After it was all this, a dream. YouTube it. Listeners, the British, show, the British Empire was a uh, a kind of um, sitcom, a, a comedy show on uh, British TV about a man who ran a leisure centre, a sports centre, and he was an idiot, of course, because all British sitcoms are all about an idiot who gets everything wrong. And it starred Chris Barry, who is more famous for being Rimmer in Red Dwarf. But it was it was pretty good. It wasn't exactly Alan Partridge hmm. or or Faulty Towers, but it was not bad. Um, okay, good. there you go. Fine, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to run a leisure centre. Instead, I just decided <laughs> to keep all the leisure for myself <laughs> instead of offering it to other people. I was like, why give it nice. away? Why sell it on? Keep it. That's what I thought. A leisure, leisure is my pleasure. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> right then. Um, I have a question for you, Mr. Luke Thompson. Okay. Right. Um, you're, you know, we've already talked, I've already mentioned Moss's Wondrous podcast. Obviously, we're, we're hoping to be in yet another episode of your your splendiferous Luke's English podcast. We'll see how this turns which out. Been going for, this might not which get published. It's been going for how long now? It's been going for 10 years plus, more than 10, 10 years. 10 years plus. Well, um, this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. This episode's been going most, yeah. What is the most surreal review you have received during that 10 years the most surreal review or or criticism you know when you get your feedback via social media because oh. if you ever got one and you literally sit there and going i do you remember when you used to do your stand-up and you talk about doing like the rainbow road and and brushing the side of the elephant do, have you ever had, ever had anything like that you just read it and thought what are you talking about okay right so there's a regular listener who i've got to give i've got to sort of pay pay my respects she's not dead <laughs> Uh, I, I, no, I've got pay to pay homage to. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've got to sort of um, say hello to this regular listener who listens to everything, all the episodes, and as far as I can tell, episodes of everyone else's podcasts too. All other people's podcasts and YouTube channels for learning English. She seems to comment on mm-hmm. all of those as well, and no one really knows who she is, but she comments on everything, and uh, she rarely replies to other people's comments. She's a bit of a mystery, but she writes in this weirdly sort of uh, poetic, uh, random fashion. And I'll give you an example. Her, her name is Molly. Hello, Molly. I'm sure that you're listening. I hope you don't mind me bringing this up as an example of an odd, uh, surreal uh, message that I've had or comment or review or something. But, I mean, to be honest, Molly's comments are quite sort of odd in a way it's almost like she's trying to use loads of phrases that she's learned and stringing them all together in a way that is uh, on one hand very poetic and on the other hand quite weird and and a little odd uh, and not completely coherent so uh this is the the most recent episode at, uh, at the time of recording this i've already done a minute but i i make the rules um so yeah. I'm, uh, most recent episode was um 
uh, a chat with my American comedian friend called Sebastian, and also I tested him on English slang. And she wrote this, A test of British slang through Luke's English podcast is the most American thing ever while living and coping amid COVID-19 pandemic. Combining British English and American English is blowing us away. A bit of levity keeps us alive, which is actually a fairly reasonable comment. Luke is a teacher who never rests. This will be an episode long remembered. Ta. <laughs> I like it. It's nice, actually. It's nice. It is sort of poetic, even if sometimes it doesn't make complete sense. So she's a bit of a mystery, is Molly Ty. But uh, there you go. That's I thought that I would. Uh, she sounds like quite a sponge. Like she's just listening to every single podcast about learning English, and it's just yeah, everything's getting to a mix match. Absorbs all these phrases and things, and just blah, 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 sort of they all come out in these poetic comments. So that's the best thing I could think of on the spur of the moment. But I have had many, many, many uh, odd uh, comments and messages. Normally, people who sort of like make basic mistakes, like they get my name wrong, like they're constantly, I'm constantly being called Mr. Luck, and um, and it's it's Lux English Potcat or Lux English uh, Postcard. Uh, so my name, they get my name wrong, even though it's literally in the title of the podcast. And they spell podcast wrong, even though that's also in the title of the podcast as well. Um, uh, and many other odd little things. But that's what happens. You know, things get lost in translation, don't they, for learners of English when they when they write things in English. Sometimes it comes out a bit weird. So there you go. I uh, I had a, there's one, of, one of the guys I trained with at Hendon. He's a very lovely guy who's uh, Brazilian. Uh, he moved over here about a year before he joined the force. And his English is very good, but his written English... So we had to write statements, like fake statements, to learn how to do them right. And, uh, you know, it's like and we, we were given a, a role play uh, where a victim comes into the station and tells us something, and then we had to write a statement about what was told to us. And uh, what he was trying to say was, um, I can't remember the, the, the name of the people in the, in the role play, but Luke came into the station and told me what happened when Moz and Alex came to his house. But he put... <laughs> he put Luke came in and I had intercourse with Luke as he told me about the intercourse between <laughs> Moz and Alec. And it was just, so actually, I suppose I wouldn't say grammatic, correct, but just we were just sitting there in stitches because he didn't realise what he was talking about. Classic case of false friends, I suppose, in Portuguese, to have yeah. intercourse with someone means to talk to them, whereas in English, obviously, yeah. it means to uh, to bone them with your, with your penis. penis. I suppose, right? To, to have sex, to have sex with them is what it means. I don't know. It's, so it's been that, a while. <laughs> it's been is a that while. What you're teaching is that is that what you, you want to teach your listeners that sexual intercourse is referred to as boning with your penis? <laughs> um, no, I should probably edit that out, shouldn't I, guys? I mean, it's basic basic common sense would say that I shouldn't. <laughs> but you know, there are alternative ways of saying it, listeners, and that's you know what I'm essentially trying to do. You all know to have sex with someone, right? But you can have fun with it sometimes and say bone someone <laughs> with your penis. What well, have, I done, what have I done with my life? <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I don't know. We've, got, we've got to ask Alex. We've got to ask Alex. Okay, oh. then, Alex. So, Moz, do you want to go first? We oui, we. Oui. Okay. Uh, Alex Love. Moz. <laughs> um, why would you make a great or a shit astronaut? Ooh. Ooh good, good question. Good question. <laughs> can I be both? You can be both if you like. Well, 
I think obviously space travel. I love space travel. I'd be very enthusiastic about it, and I'd probably get very excited about being in space. Um, the problem is I don't really know a lot of science, so um, I, I might not be the front of the queue for them to send to space because I lack science knowledge but i might make up for that in enthusiasm in in just wanting to go to space and float around and um uh didn't they didn't they send monkeys into space at one point (laughs) yeah yeah don't necessarily need scientific knowledge that's all sorry no but i think i might rank below the monkeys in in terms of um sorry did you say rank below the monkeys yeah yeah don't don't wank below monkeys alex (laughs) They yeah. frown on that at NASA. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So I'd, I'd love to be an astronaut. Very much up for it. If anyone, Elon Musk is listening, I'm happy to go up in, up in space. I'd like to come back down again, ideally still alive. <laughs> but, you know, options and all that. Um, you can only work with what you've got. So, there you go. You, you, nailed nice. one, you nailed one minute right on the, right on the head there. Ooh. Excellent. Um, okay, uh, I'll go next. So, Alex, Elon Musk sounds like a Poundland body spray. I just realised that. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. It does sound like a very cheap cologne. I'll have uh, yeah. you know a two litre bottle of Elon Musk, please. That'll be two ninety. That'll be fifty p. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Alex, you're normally a gigging stand-up comedian. What is the worst or best gig you've ever had? And you can choose. You can either tell us about the worst gig or the best gig that you've ever had. In well, it's going to be the worst gig, isn't it? That's up to um, you. Were we all there? I think the, well, the worst gig is going to be more interesting because failures are more yeah. interesting than successes. Right, so this was a terrible gig last year and it was on my birthday and it was in um, Harold Shipman, the serial killer's hometown in Yorkshire, a place called Submarden, and I was comparing. It was the first night that they ran a comedy gig at the venue, so the audience are always a bit, they don't really know how to behave, and because I'm from the south of England and speak quite quickly, they couldn't understand a word I was saying. So, <laughs> so they just weren't really laughing at all, and it was on my birthday, and they just... They hated me. <laughs> and it was in Harold Shipman's hometown, the, the serial killer. And I think I think that's that's quite nice to have died on my arse in Harold Shipman's hometown, the famous serial nice. killer. Many people died in Harold Shipman's hometown, but you're one of the <laughs> ones who actually got out of it. I survived, yeah. That's good. There you go. There you go. One minute. Uh, Harold Shipman, listeners, was a uh, serial killer. Moz could tell you all about him. It'd probably take you about, take him about ten hours, but uh, it would be very it would be very entertaining. No, that's not how, a bad thing. God, how very dare you? Check out my episodes <laughs> and how long they are. Yeah. Convic- convicted of fifteen murders, uh, uh, they've identified two hundred and fifty-seven potential victims, but they know it's four hundred and fifty plus. Jesus, really, four fifty plus. Yeah. So he he was murdering. We know he was murdering for at least twenty five years as a general practitioner and signing wow. off the deaths, which means that for twenty five years he was murdering at least three a week. There you go. So these are like probably well, at least he's productive. Old, older older patients or or you know 
people who are already sick coming and complaining of things and then they die and it turns out that he's killed them and he signs off the deaths as something else and he gets away with it every time for 25 years <sighs> Mars, i have a question Ooh. um is he the most prolific serial killer the world has ever known um he, he, he's uh, there's a uh, a russian guy who everyone always says is the most prolific but the problem with a lot of these guys is it's hard to pin down the numbers. Whereas with Harold Shipman, because he was a GP and he was signing off, because he was a, the doctor and he was signing off the death certificates, we've got kind of written proof of the people who he's, he kind of went into the house and signed off their deaths. But because he cremated, he had most of the bodies cremated because uh, as a doctor, it's kind of his prerogative. Many of them we can't prove. So, yeah, he's yeah. most likely the most pro- uh, prolific serial killer ever. Bloody hell. Wow. Well, mm. well, Where that- were you, Langton? <laughs> I was in a pub. In Liverpool. Um, yeah, I, was in, I was in Liverpool. <laughs> Fuck it, mate, come up. Um, uh, my, my, I have my question for Alex now. Yeah, all right. Uh, Alex, love, my question to you is on a similar vein. Um, mm. Not so much about your worst gig. But in all your many, many comic comedic um, endeavours, what's the absolutely couldn't come back against the heckle you've received? What's the worst? What's the worst heckle you've received on stage? Interesting. Well, I pride myself on being able to deal with hecklers quite effectively. Mm-hmm. But when I've been completely unable to really deal with it, it's probably gig in Caterham, mm-hmm. South London. Yeah. And it was in an art centre and there was uh, a boy, a uh, lad on the front row who uh, was autistic and he was interrupting during the show and I just couldn't really deal with it because you can't, you don't really want to make it awkward for the audience. You don't yeah. really want to make him feel bad. <laughs> um, you don't want him, because if you come down too hard, he might not understand, he'll get upset and then the audience will turn against you as well. So you just kind of have to just, yeah, try and ha- have fun as much as you can with it, but know that you can't really win. That is one minute. Nice. So the, the challenge of dealing with an autistic heckler who, uh, yes, I can imagine that would be tricky. I think the funniest one I've ever seen, and I think we were all there. I know Moz was, I know Alex was, I'm pretty sure Luke was as well. When we did, we all did a comedy show together in Edinburgh, run by Moz called Snigger Happy, where it was like a, a gang show. About five of us went on during the hour, but one night, very the ballroom was a great room actually, really busy room, and a friend of ours called Mark was comparing, and there was uh, a couple in the front row, and the I think it was the they were very, very drunk, and I think the woman. Uh, Mark was getting really annoyed because the woman wouldn't, you know, look forward. She just kept on darting around and not not making eye, you know, not watching the stage. And Mark had a very funny bit about the uh, R and B singer Gabrielle, who always covers her her face, her, one side of her face, because I think she had a lazy eye. I can't remember something like that. Um, but um, he was going on about Gabrielle, and this woman was engaging, and then. Mark being Mark went, look, are you just going to bother looking at me or what? And then she went, I am trying to look at you. It's just at this size glass. Oh. So she had she had the glass eyes because to compensate, I've, she would kept on looking in the wrong direction. I have and something it, to I, add I've to never, that. 
Yeah. Something to add to that. Same venue, same year, same show. Yeah. I was comparing. I thought of this bit of audience participation where I'd ask a couple in the front row, so you're a couple, who wears the trousers? And the, expecting the woman yeah. to say me. So I said to the man, well, what do you wear? And it was obviously very funny. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I, so, so I did it in Edinburgh. I think it was the, it might, may have been the first, my first ever gig in Edinburgh, yeah. actually. And it was a front row, quite a nice couple. And I said, so you're a couple who wears the trousers? And the woman said, me. So I said to the man, what do you wear? And he responded in sign language. He was deaf. So. <laughs> oh, dear. Couldn't really do much with that. Mm. Oh, great days. Great days. There was a gig I I was just a a participant in in uh, Edinburgh Finch. Remember the year when we were there when it was like, for Edinburgh, it was like early 30s degrees. It was super hot. It was a heat wave. Everyone was dying. And I was up in the attic in one of these rooms just watching this show, and it was a character act. This guy stayed in character throughout. And there was a gentleman on the front row and the, the lead act did a joke. It wasn't particularly funny. And the guy on the front row, row went, oh, and everyone was like, that's rude, isn't it? Guy did another joke. Guy on the front row, oh, like that. And literally threw his head back really <laughs> far back and really was making a show of how, how really bored he was. So the guy did another joke. And it happened again. He literally went, oh, fuck, like that. And everyone was like, the, the guy literally came forward. He was like, okay, what's fucking going on? He came out of character and said, why are you doing this? Why are you disrupting my show? And his mate turned to him and said, I'm sorry, I think he's having a seizure. No. Yeah, in the middle of the show. <laughs> he was having a heart <laughs> attack or something like that. Yeah. How, yeah. Do, how do you cope with that? Literally, he, he he actually stayed in character and went off stage, got a doctor, came back on stage, stayed in character. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Uh, there was one um, Ruby Tuesdays that we did once, ages and ages ago. So Ruby Tuesdays, listeners, was the comedy show that we all used to do together. It was on Tuesdays, obviously. Uh, the f- like one of the, one Tuesday a month. And I, I came up with this um, routine where I had an accordion. Yes. Do you remember my accordion routine? Do you remember yeah. that? And uh, so I was up and the, the sort of the joke, part of the joke, it never really worked, but the part of the joke was that I would do this whole spiel about how I'd spent my whole life learning to play the accordion and my, my dad had left me the accordion on his deathbed and all this stuff, building it up and up and up. And then I, at the end I'd play and I was rubbish. And... Um, and I was like going through all this stuff with the accordion on and there was a guy, a drunk scouser in the audience and he was going, uh, when's he gonna, when are you going to play the accordion? Like that. <laughs> I do remember that. When's he going to play? Like that. And then, and then, you know, people were like, shut up, shut up, shut up, you know, trying to tell him to shut up. And he was like, but it's not funny. It's not funny. It's what he kept saying. And I was like trying to do so, my, you know, my accordion thing and the, in the back. Yeah, but it's not funny. It's just not funny. Which is really great for your confidence when you're just sort of starting out as a stand-up. Well, I, I remember seeing an interview with uh, of the aforementioned Rick Mail uh, years ago, uh, where he was asked. I think he'd just done one of his tours with his show Bottom, like his live tours with Dave Edmonton. And the interviewer said, "What's in all your history of gigging? What's the one city that you hate going to?" And you know, they were being very. Um, what's the word political they were being very um 
Um, be nice about everywhere. Oh, they're trying. Oh, they were trying to be very fair and diplomatic. Uh, yes, dip- diplomatic. diplomatic. That's the word. And he was saying, he was saying like, no, no, you know, everywhere's got its good places, its bad places. Everywhere's lovely. And Adrian Edmondson was being very diplomatic, and and Rick Mail just went, Liverpool can't fucking stand it. <laughs> and supposedly, a lot of comedians, even scousers, have said that they hate going to Liverpool because, and this is coming from someone who lived there for seven years. Um, scousers do think they're really funny. So they don't heckle. So they don't come back at something you've said. So it's not a clever heckle. They don't boom, you know, which is a, an easy heckle. They just they just automatically think that they're funny. So I can, I, that's why that stuck in my head, because he wasn't – he probably didn't even mean to cause you any, you know, embarrassment or insult. He's just like, mate, what are you going to do? You got a, you got an accordion? Are you going to fucking pay it to us? Yeah. Have you got a joke? I don't get it. Exactly. You know? And he was kind I of like going around I'm to everyone, like, like, you know, because people were saying, shut up, mate to him like Gemma was going over to him and going you know you know can you be quiet please yeah. he's trying to do so and the, the guy was like but you know he's not, I don't think any of you's understand don't you see it's just not funny is what he was saying like yeah. you know what's the matter with you why are you telling me to shut up it's just not funny so it's just like quite see. he's like it's quite reasonable really it's probably what he was thinking um talk about Liverpool and generally accents sometimes it's really difficult when you're heckled and you can't understand what they're actually saying but the rest yeah. of the audience can. So, what do you do? You can't then? understand. Well, you kind of just have to get someone to tell you what they're actually trying to say, and that by that point, you kind of lost your your upper hand. Track of thought, yeah. your moment. The one thing you see about heckling, because uh, obviously, obviously, I was on stage myself, but I also spent a lot of time uh, sort of doing the, the not the backstage stuff, but work in front of house and stuff. So you'd watch a gig from the from the you know quite a big room from the back and you'd be on stage when you're on stage you're so tunnel vision you're so hyper alert to everything that's happening in an audience no matter how funny your joke is no matter how well your joke is going in a room full of 100 people you will see the one person who's not laughing Mm -hmm. and with a heckler you might a heckler might because they're in your line of fire they're in your vision heckler might do like that's not funny is it and only you see it and the amount of time I've seen, I've been in the back of like somewhere like up the creek, a very famous comedy club in South East London. You're at the back of the room and you see a comedian doing well and then just pausing and then looks like they're just picking on someone because you don't hear the, you don't hear anything. You don't see anything. And then afterwards you'll say, what happened there? They went, oh, that guy third, third row back with the, with the red shirt on. He, 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 he told me that I was shit. And we were like, oh, nobody heard him. And it can, it's, it's mm-hmm. the weirdest thing in the world to see, you know, a heckle can be the most powerful heckle can just be someone, you know, just mumbling under their breath or just going mm, or, or, or looking at a watch or not laughing when everyone else is. You just go, what what, what happened there? Why, why are you doing that? What's happening there? Yeah, it's very hard, I, I, very hard for a comedian. Sometimes you've got to just carry on and ignore things that you've seen, but the audience probably mm-hmm. aren't aware of because the audience are basically just listening to you through big speakers. They can only see you. Yeah. So they're not aware yeah. of what other people are saying so much. Yeah, but it's hard to yeah. it's hard to ignore little things that you notice, isn't it, sometimes? Moz? I, yeah. I, I, I witnessed one a little while ago. I, uh, back, in, back when I was gigging many years ago, uh, I think I was doing Sloppy Party Bottom that night. Uh, I was at a gig, and Mark Davidson was there. He, he did, uh, for listeners, he does a character called Mister Susan. And Mister Susan is a fantastic character. He's kind of a, a, a character who could be from space. He doesn't really understand life, and he kind of gets things kind of mixed up slightly. Um, and we were in a room 
Uh, it was a small room, but, but there was a really bright front light. So all you could actually see was the front row and nothing. Actually, you could, in fact, you couldn't even see the front row. It's, everything was dark when you're mm. on stage. And Mark has this routine uh, where like, he, he, he's, he's trying to engage with the front row and he says to one of the audience, he goes, uh, yeah, you, you are very beautiful. You, you are very beautiful. You are very beautiful. You, not so much. What happened to you? Was your face in a fire? Like that, and it always it always gets a good laugh. Um, and one night when I was with Mark, the the audience guy went, uh, "Yeah, actually, it was." And we didn't realize we we, could, we couldn't see it that night. It was so dark, literally. And uh, we went up, and the guy literally one side of his face was entirely burnt. <coughs> so oh, just bad God. luck that the guy he did just, that joke to on that evening happened to be a burns victim. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Mark literally at the end of the night, he found the guy and he was like, I'm so sorry. Look, I couldn't see you. And he literally dragged the guy, tried to get him near the stage to go, look, look, the light was on. I was blinded. I couldn't see anything. It was like, what do you do? Yeah. You can only apologize so much. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for being on this uh, episode of the podcast. I'm not quite sure what the, what the point of all this has been, (laughs) except that it's been fun to just sort of ask each other stupid questions and see what happened and i i i hope that my audience were able to understand all of it i expect it was quite difficult for various reasons uh, i'll do it i'll do a little thing at the end probably but anyway thank you all three of you it's probably bedtime mm-hmm. now isn't it guys yeah it's getting that way i think Wank so o'clock. paul's going yeah yeah <clears throat> paul's going to work in the morning you know to mm-hmm. not to protect and serve that's the americans Americans, what's uh, do you have a catchphrase? Do the Metropolitan Police to, have a to, to police by consent? To police by consent, <laughs> it's not that's as, awful, it's, it's not as catchy as to protect and serve, is it? To police by consent, <laughs> so you'll be policing by consent yeah. in the morning. Uh, yeah. Mars is going to court. Oh, well, I'm doing I'm doing e court <laughs> because of coronavirus, everything is done via video link now. Alex, do you have any obligations in the morning? Um, no. Okay. None. Yay! Walk the dog. Walk, the dog. <laughs> walk in the dog, yeah. Mm. All right. Going, going to the supermarket. Have a poo? Have a poo. Have, a, have three poos, actually, I think, before I go out for a walk. Best three. be on the, on the safe side. Best be on the safe yeah. side. What about uh, yourself, you... Luke? What are you up to? Well, you know what? It's my birthday tomorrow. Yay! Oh, happy birthday! Yeah. So, bon anniversary. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be opening numerous presents. And uh, I think actually because it's, a, <laughs> because it's sort of a public holiday, even though it's not a public holiday, but because uh, Thursday is a public holiday, everyone's taking the mm-hmm. next day off. Uh, so um, we are going to take the day off too and probably go somewhere now that we can somewhere within the the sort of limit that we're allowed to travel and go and have a picnic on the grass somewhere which will be nice nice yeah lovely there you go gentlemen it's been lots of fun and Mm -hmm. thank you very much for taking part in this and um have a lovely day tomorrow and a lovely weekend stay stay healthy take care and speak to you soon yeah happy birthday uh, thank you happy Happy birthday birthday. Okay, I'm going to press stop on the recorder now.
Okay, everyone, that's it. I would just like to thank Paul, Moz and Alex for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Moz. Thank you, Alex. I hope that, uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed joining us on our Zoom call. I know the audio quality might have made it a bit tricky for you to follow all of it. Let me know. I expect someone will comment that my friends sound like alien or something, but they don't to me. And by the way, it's, you know, it would be uh, your friends sound like aliens or, you know, your friend sounds like an alien, not just your friend sounds like alien. Like what? Anyway, they don't sound like aliens to me. They sound fine. Remember, check out Moz's podcast. It's called the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast, and it's available on all good podcast apps and probably some bad ones as well. Alex doesn't have a podcast, but he is still writing a blog, which you can find at alexlove.co.uk. If you want to find Paul, well, just commit a crime in the London area and he'll probably find you. And then you might end up having a one-to-one sit-down interview with him in a police station. That's an interesting approach to to finding ways to talk to native speakers, isn't it? Just get arrested. The police will ask you lots of questions. You'll have a long conversation with some sort of police officer of some description. And you'll have loads of people to talk to in prison as well. Yay! A new approach to learning English. By the way, I had a lovely birthday. Thank you for asking. Don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I had a birthday. They mentioned it. I had a lovely birthday. Thank you very much for asking. I had nice presents and things. Yes, thank you for sending me birthday wishes. If you sent me birthday wishes, that was very nice of you. Those who didn't send me birthday wishes, I will still accept your birthday messages quite gladly. And I'm open. I'm still open to gifts, flowers, chocolate, gold bullion, and cash donations in most currencies, but especially in pounds sterling. If you don't know my age, I wonder how old you think I am, based, probably just based on the sound of my voice. How old am I? How old is my voice? If you're wondering about my gifts, I got some new trainers from my wife, which was nice, and I also got a multi-track recorder for making music. If I actually have any time, I plan to record some music, so I got a digital multi-track thing, which will allow me to record bass, guitar, keyboards, vocals drums. Now all I need is some actual musical talent and I might be able to create something half decent. We will see. I was also treated to a birthday cake of pancakes in bed. That's a cake made of pancakes with candles and little paper decorations. And the candles set the little paper decorations on fire. So the whole thing was fully ablaze by the time the cake got to me. So essentially, my wife brought me a fire hazard directly to my bed first thing in the morning, which was actually very funny and not as dangerous as it sounds. Anyway, I had a nice birthday if you're interested. And if you're not interested, I still had a nice birthday. How about you? Are you okay? Are you doing okay out there in podcast land? I I sincerely wonder how this episode was for you. I really enjoyed getting together with Paul, Moz and Alex again on the podcast and I hope you did too, but I expect it was difficult to follow. Let me know in the comments section. Please don't say that you think my my friends are aliens because they're not. You know, difficult to follow isn't necessarily a bad thing. That's the sort of episode that challenges you a bit and pushes your English skills a bit further, in theory anyway. It's almost time to finish. Just before we go, I'd like to say, don't forget my YouTube live stream, Wednesday the 10th of June at 3pm Paris time. 
go to my YouTube channel, Luke's English Podcast, and subscribe and tap the bell icon to get notifications. And I hope you can join me. It should be fun. In any case, it's now time to draw this all to a close. Thank you for listening, and I will speak to you soon. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.